Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats Cast number 130. I'm Jeremy, and as always, I'm joined this week with my co-hosts, Jim Caselli of CoolStuffInc.com, Ed Wynn of UnnamedGameShop.com, and Douglas Johnson of Brainstorm Brewery. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Cool Stuff Inc., who have provided us with free gift certificates to give away throughout this podcast, with free shipping on orders of $25 or more, and a sweet 30% buy less bonus. CoolStuffInc.com is a store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. How are you guys doing this week? Jeremy, you forgot to say that I'm from 95MTG, and you forgot to say that I'm sponsoring Fusion Parkour. Wait, is this actually a thing? I'm not sponsoring them, but I just got a t-shirt from them, because the guy who owns it is my friend. Okay. So so you just said you were sponsored, and then immediately back walked it back? Are you ready well, to I... become president? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yes. Ed, how are you doing? You jet-lagged yet? Uh, I actually feel fairly okay. I slept at a reasonable time. I've been back in the States for like 40-ish hours now. I feel reasonably okay. Mm. And Jim, how jet-lagged are you with all the travel you do? Oh my god, I go in my car 10 minutes to work every day and then 10 minutes back. The time zone changes are excruciating. 10 whole minutes? That's 10 more minutes than I have to do. Oh, does it does it take you less than ten minutes to leave your bed and go into your basement? I don't sort bulk in my basement, Jim. I'm not an animal. Uh, it's hard to tell. You look like you're in a basement. This is my office. Is it in your basement? No, this is this is on the uh, the same floor of the ho- of the house as the master bedroom and the master bathroom. And is that also the basement? No. Wait, how is this gear? You're giving me this is not my basement. I'll I'll move my webcam around. There's is there a window? Is there a window in this room? Yeah, you can see the ditto. See the ditto plushie? The window? I'm confused. Oh, that's a window. Okay. I thought that was a closet. I was like, what are you talking about? No, the closet is uh in there. That's the closet. Okay. Well, I hope nobody has motion sickness because that was a interesting trip around your room. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on. Uh, this is the content that people are here for. <laughs> we had uh, some interesting Wizards of the Coast employees tweets this week. Do you want to get into the articles and the follow-ups by some people, which actually have an impact on MTG Finance? I think anyone who hasn't read it uh, should go back and read Gavin Verhey's article. It's called State of Product Design. I think it was up on the Watsi website on Monday. It was Monday or yesterday. Uh, he basically went back and wrote an article in a very similar style to Mark Rosewater's uh, State of Design article. Uh, Mark Rosewater talks about, uh, I guess, internal processes and how they more or less design magic cards. Gavin Verhey looks at it from a more macro perspective and talks about products that were released in 2018. He doesn't go over everything, but he definitely touches on the ones that are the most popular, obviously. There were a few in there that he mentioned that I completely forgot were released as well. Heroes of Domnia, the board game. The, yeah, the, 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 what is it, Game Night or something it's called? The the five-pointed star thing? The, like the board game S thing, yeah. Those yeah. were also touched on. Um, 
it's definitely very interesting they let off with Masters because that was probably the thing that's on everyone's mind. He does continue to recap that uh, more or less their philosophy in designing the Master sets, more or less how Ultimate Masters took its shape from being a graveyard theme set to let's jam more reprints in there after the somewhat negative performance of Masters 25. Yep. Uh, there was also a tweet by Aaron Forsyth uh, on the thread. He had mentioned that no Master Set has received a second print run with the exception of Eternal Masters, which they clearly highlighted was a mistake. Yeah, that was super interesting. <clears throat> that is definitely interesting. I think people seem to confuse how distributor... So in my mind, the, the biggest takeaway is that people generally confuse how distributors sell their product. I want someone what, to bring me Jeremy, food. what are you... What the hell is that? Case it is. That wasn't even me. I mute my mic because I'm not You're a savage. Smiling. I saw you smiling. Yeah, because <laughs> I mute my mic, Doug. This is a real podcast. Our patrons was, pay a lot for I this. I was having a conversation with Ed. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know I got my share of the Patreon. Patreon. I think it was interesting, Ed, that Foresight admitted that printing extra Eternal Masters was a mistake and that they wish they would have walked it back, in his own words, that they had walked it back. Um, because this helps Ultimate Masters a bit when it comes to confidence in buying these cards and how aggressive vendors want to be when they're buying these cards as well versus getting blown out like Eternal Masters because it took longer to get a good ROI after the second run. Uh, but anything else from the article you want to, you want to do uh, add your opinion on? Uh, the last, the most relevant bit I thought from that was when they discussed the Challenger decks. He touched that they were a popular product last year. That's no surprise. It get, helped get a lot of people in standard, and they'll be returning this year. The last bit, tidbit, I think it was in the very last paragraph, was he said that the deck lists were locked in shortly after Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica, which does, in my mind, put uh put like a relatively short list of cards that could be reprinted in it. Last week I believe I had picked Aurelia as uh as my pick of the week. It seems fairly obvious based on that that we'll see some sort of Boros aggressive strategy and Aurelia is very, very, very likely to be a shoe in for that. I am less likely to believe that we'll see a lot of blue white cards, mainly because control decks weren't really prevalent at pro tour guilds there I mean, were there were people playing like blue white or like a jeskai a smattering of those decks but they didn't really seem super popular I but, mean, but for the for the challenger decks they when they make that arsenal of decks they want to hit ev like m every archetype right they want to make like here's the aggro deck if you want to get into standard here's the so there will be a con i'd i'd almost entirely bet that there's at least a control deck regardless of how what flavor it is so then, if that so, my question to you would be: How could you really build a control deck within the budget, as it were, of the of the challenger deck design without making the blue white deck just or the control deck just you know monstrously higher EV than everything else? Because if you start Teferi alone covers the cost, right? But then you start looking at things like settle the wreckage. You need more or less. They, they did that for the mono red deck last uh, year. They had Chandra, they had Hazard when they were both 20, and then they threw in like some glory bringers and a chain like 
uh, not Chain Whirler, but like some other just like solid rares, like Soul Scar Mage is a four of, Kari Zev. Like they they gave you a lot of EV in that deck. Right, but most of those were already on their way out and they were already much lower, right? Glorybringer was... And that's what they're going to do because the Challenger decks will come out like six months before they rotate. And I then, agree with Doug. And then they should be coming out in like, a month or two. Downswing. Like they can include a yeah. one of Teferi, a two of Settle the Wreckage, and then like a bunch of other random one, two dollar cards. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think it's more of... It kind of feels bad because I remember basically late... Basically, even after rotation, you could buy the non-Hazaret decks for virtually uh, for virtually nothing because they were the ones that people could just never sell. So well, the green black one had like Walking Ballista Fatal Push. Yeah, that one was also fine, but the blue white. Uh, yeah, the blue white one had like all bulk rares, but even though it was a decent deck, it had like the four of the cycle land approach, uh, and then just like a billion counter spells. Yeah, the Marty. Yeah, the Marty's one was pretty bad. So, I'm I'm kind of hoping that they would make something slightly more balanced. But again, I imagine that we'll just see. The if there is a control deck, it'll just probably be this year's. Uh, yeah, it'll be like the mono red deck. Yeah. So, it definitely makes it a little bit harder to go deep. Sorry, it makes it a little bit hard to go deep on some of those. But I think there's definitely still some potential for post guilds of Ravnica cards that you can look at buying in for standard. That probably won't be reprinted. It probably will increase in price. Even the mono or the Mardu deck had four Heart of Kirin back when those were worth something, and now they're. Yeah. I think they're literally a quarter. Well, so it, people it had, were speculating on them it because had, like, it was literally Heart of Kirin. It had yeah. four, three or four Inspiring Vantage, which is why Dipala, that. Uh, Dipala, it had uh, what's the land? Fire, Fire of Industry. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the deck wasn't bad. It just wasn't as it, it wasn't as exciting as the other ones. I think it was the most coherent out of the four out of the box because it had. The most uh, that's probably that's probably true. I I'd, I'd buy that. It had the most so, forums. I think that the the reason why people were most, I guess, upset about it was like the cards in the other decks were not as format ubiquitous, whereas like. Chandra is just yeah. always great in other yep. formats. So if you didn't really want to play that deck after like the first night or whatever, you still had a Chandra in there. And I think that that will probably still happen if there's a Teferi in any of the decks. But I don't yeah, know that that's necessarily a bad thing. There's yeah, there's only so many multi-format staples they can reprint in Challenger decks, right? It's like they get Chandra and Walking Ballista and Fatal pushing the Challenger decks, but like, how many other options can you realistically expect? To put in there beyond that and i understand magic players will complain about anything but even if they're like hey here's a te teferi here's a settle the wreckage here's uh four carnage know, like tyrants a, yeah like a jade Lane ranger deck. or something or like just other modern cards that i can't think of right now people will still complain even if um they hit the max capacity of multi-format staples that they can put in challenger decks people will still complain because there's only so many of those cards Jim? I'm just nodding my head in agreement. Okay, well, moving on. Ed, you had a hot take today. Do you want to explain it so we can argue over that? Uh, I had tweeted that I believe we are looking at the signs of a bull market. Uh, for anyone who is not familiar with the definition, in economic terms, a We're bull market... We're turning to Minotaur Tribal. 
<clears throat> a Arrow's bull market, let's go. A bull market is anything that uh, <clears throat> is whenever the market is trending upward, similar to how a uh, bull's head motion is more or less driving something upwards. Um, the opposite would be a bear market, where a bear's attack pattern, <laughs> I guess, is more or less like swinging its claws downward. That is- My favorite part of this is that JR listens to this podcast and he spent 25 years working in stocks and he's probably going to fly from New York to wherever you live and smack you for these definitions. Or he'll just nod his head and be like, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Anyway, Bye. Ed, what is your theory? I took economics what 201 and 202 and that was basically where it ended. So, And the fact that I even remember this anyways regardless back to my original point um we see i I think i broke it down i said that there were uh cards that were starting to spike this was not too different from what we saw towards the beginning of last year in quarter one we started to see cards just slowly disappear off the market and it created uh more panic buying some of this might actually be organic i think the biggest ones are tesa related cards uh, Jason is definitely a big uh, a big fan of this because there's a lot of EDH specs that, that you can go fairly deep on. Uh, Athreos was more or less the most recent uh, victim of this. It went from you could buy them for $12 for the past five years or however long it's been released. And yep. now it's now the cheapest one you're looking at on TCG is like $30 or whatever. Uh, it was like, I think it was pushing 40 when I had looked earlier this week. Uh, basically immediately after a spike. Um, but like once this starts to happen, it kind of causes a a positive feedback loop is probably more the term I'm looking for where people see this and it is basically encouraging people to buy now, whereas people, you have people like Jim, for example, where he's more or less dedicated to waiting it out. But um the people who d- would normally do that might be inclined to pull the trigger now as opposed to waiting later. Um, and when you couple that with things like uh, the 10% kickback sale yesterday on TCG Player, you generously you generally see the price on cards be elevated a little bit because all the cheap copies are gone. It doesn't necessarily mean that the prices are going up 10%, but it's a lot easier to stomach your $50 purchase or your hundred dollar purchase when you're when it's now ninety dollars or forty five dollars instead of what it is um you boxes was the other one i had addressed they continue to disappear the fact that there is confirmation uh that there's not really going to be a second print run uh is probably causing more people to have more confidence in squirreling away the boxes that they already have and it's just going to encourage uh, vendors to charge more and more for their boxes because they know that you can't get them. And for anyone who's like attended, for example, a Grand Prix throughout December um, at Portland, Liverpool, Vancouver, even through Oakland, you can still find vendors having plenty of sealed product at their booth. And now you don't really see as much anymore. One, because there's obviously the demand isn't quite there. It's kind of... Uh, it's kind of gone by the wayside now that Ravnica Legions is a new thing. But the reality is just that a lot of vendors just don't really have backup supply anymore. Um, 
And this isn't the type of product you want to be bringing a partially open box to people. There's a lot of market for sealed boxes. And frankly, I just don't think a lot of them exist out there that vendors are really sitting on at this point. Um, I think those are the two major cards. Oh, I, I mentioned that new standard, new modern might also cause more people to be excited again. I, I don't know if that's quite the right word, but modern with KCI being banned, it kind of allows for more different strategies or people to revisit perhaps old strategies that have kind of fallen by the wayside. And then with standard, obviously we have to kind of see how standard plays out, but with uh, a lot more pro players streaming uh, Magic Arena. I think a lot of, like Martin Yuza had said that he was streaming more or less his entire Pro Tour testing process uh, on Arena. I imagine that this will kind of cause people to go out and play more standard, especially if their favorite streamer is um, is playing something they like or at least playing something new that's not a cookie cutter strategy that we've seen before. I disagree with this for several reasons. I feel like you're picking at certain price data to try and say that a bear market's happening. Um, just because three or four things are going up doesn't mean the market is suddenly getting hot. I could point at the fact that Doug was basically paying TCG on Spire Bluff Canal uh, last week, for example. And like you guys were basically paying like straight up TCG on like three or four cards because that's what you're known for or whatever. Um, but... Until BIOS as a whole go up across the board, I'm not convinced that there's a bear market happening because there can be all these artificial spikes or, or actual spikes on stuff like Thousand Year Elixir, which is now like $12 because of Vanifar, which I'm sure Doug already knew. Um, but I don't think there's a bull market because vendors aren't they don't need to pay more to get cards in right now um we're still continuing to see a liquidation of high-end cards of masterpieces of foils of pimp cards all that stuff is still trending down and until in a month or two when players start getting their tax returns which are now going to be less than previous years unless you're making a couple million dollars like all of us on the cast um it's you're they have less money to spend buying magic pimp and you're seeing a continuous supply if you just monitor dual lands or um seventh edition foils or reserveless foils it's just people continuing to undercut each other and you're seeing shops continuously scale back the amount they're paying in cash but not necessarily the amount they're paying in credit so outside of the the 10 vendors who can flip stuff to tcg um or have fba or stuff like that if they're not paying more to get stuff in, there's no reason for prices to go up that much because people are still trying to liquidate to pay their whatever credit card debt or whatever debt they still have from the previous year uh, to try and get rid of that before their tax uh, rebate comes back. The other thing you said is, um, man, I just forgot. What was it besides Ultimate Masters about the general box prices? Ed? Help me here. Throw me a line. Uh, sorry, well, one more time. I heard I heard the tail end of... Uh, Ouch. Okay, you said, sorry. Uh, you said there's a ball market because of Ultimate Masters box prices going up, but what was the other uh, data points you pointed out? Uh, new modern, new standard. Uh, man, what was the first thing I said? 
Oh, I mean, even I, if you look I, at I, Ultimate Masters, the singles continue to drop. If you look at the aggregate on MTG Goldfish for Ultimate Masters for paper, it's continued to drop. It went up about 10%. Oh, I know where I'm going with this. Uh, it went up 10% after release, and it slowly started going back down. The other thing you're saying is that a 10% sale leads to less copies in vendors' hands because more cards are going to make their way into players' hands. So therefore, the prices are going to go up because vendors need to get those cards back. Even on Black Friday, when we get a better sale, uh, the prices continue to still fall after a short bump upwards uh, following Black Friday. And when TCG said how many millions of dollars they sold on TCG on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it wasn't even that much money. It was way less than a lot of people were expecting. Um when they released those numbers, it wasn't, it wasn't an insane amount of money. It was like 40 vendors and then like a bunch of people who think they're binder grinders and suck and we're undercutting everyone. Um, so I'm just not convinced. I'm, I feel like we'll have a bull market in a month or two, but I think it's still way too early. I think players are still way too down on money. Um, but that's just me. Obviously, the companies that you guys both work for can afford to pay aggressively on certain cards, but until you start paying more on everything, I'm just not convinced. But uh, feel free to tell me how I'm wrong, because you guys do this for a living, and I obviously don't. So, I want to hear Doug's take on this. Yeah, I don't have a take on this. I mean, I think I'm. I think that the market will trend upwards once tax returns just start coming in because that's the way it's always been, right? Right, but we're not there yet. And there's still I mean, a chance people's people tax, tax returns return. get delayed. So I'm curious to see if the whole government shutdown affects that. I'm very curious to see if the uh, shutdown impacts like the magic market just because of... Uh, tax returns being delayed or lower or anything like that i'm curious but i don't have like a strong take or a hot take i think it's it's uh you guys have valid points it's hard to pinpoint right we obviously can't say it's a bull market right now right i just i my tweet had said that there's signs of a bull market we had these are this is symptomatic to what we had seen last year around this time um, in case anyone needs more or less like a refresher. Last year was March, right at tax season. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were we were looking at the points where uh, duels were going up, masterpieces were going up. Uh, cards were generally more expensive than they were, um, than they were towards the end of the year. Uh, obviously part of that is once we're past the holiday slump and people are no longer broke as it were people can start buying things again um that definitely leads to an increase in demand cards i think some of the examples you cited jeremy i think those are mostly how to put it one percenter issues right most of us aren't making our bread our bread and butter on selling dual ends right if i don't sell a dual end this week right that's i'm i, I can still eat right there's if masterpiece i don't know sell, if, master sure <laughs> if masterpieces <laughs> if masterpieces don't sell right i'll certainly like you know be able you to can make just eat the masterpieces it's fine uh <laughs> um right eat like rich. uh eat the rich uh right uh <laughs> right like the bread and butter is selling 
you know, copies of Perforos and Commander Tower and so right, and or on the crypt, right, or just you know, buying your you know, 66% or 70% and then selling on TC or whatever of cards in standard that you'll be able to sell a hundred copies of or whatever, right? Like that's, that's your bread and butter. And I think the fact that that it feels like those prices are, I I don't necessarily want to say trending upwards because in that's probably going to cause people to go out and panic and buy cards, but buy everything. The, Rudy the, says buy everything. Uh, the turnover rate just feels like it's been higher than ever, especially on standard cards. Again, we don't really have a stagnant standard format. Um, it's fairly dynamic. There's a lot of different things going on. I think people um, just coupled with the arena excitement, uh, which um, w- which has done very, very well for most game stores, I won't believe. I've definitely heard a oh, lot of sure. positive feedback. My anecdotal evidence of Arena positively impacting the game versus negatively is 100% positive. Right. So I think these, again, these are all fairly positive things for the market. And, um, right, I, I, I just don't want people to look back in April or whatever and say, oh, I wish I just pulled the trigger in February. Um, and just, you know, bought why I needed. I'm sure you still have plenty of time on your duels and masterpieces. It's unlikely we'll see the same sharp spike, but it wouldn't surprise me as things started to trend upwards slowly as tax season does begin in a month or whatever, once yeah. people are able to process their returns. And I mean, I think Eds has a point in that, like, there's very, very little risk in buying now, and there's very, very low chance that things will go drop a significant amount before they do start to go up. It's yep. like, yes, Jeremy, you could be right in that, like, it doesn't happen for a month or two, but, like, what percentage are you risking in terms of, like, buying that card now versus waiting two months and realizing you missed the boat because something, something? I completely agree, Doug. Um, the only thing is, last year, which we won't see again, Every you couldn't lose money buying anything last year. And I feel like this year, the tax returns are going to be a little more focused on what actually goes up. And it won't be as crazy as last year, where, you know, like, podcasts are pushing, pushing masterpieces as much, or stuff like that. Um, but we'll continue to see EDH stuff go up, but we're not going to see insane spikes on masterpieces again. Nothing even remotely close to last year, because there's just not as much money um, from crypto coming in or just a good stock market coming in this year. So. I think it also just depends on uh, what the products that are coming out in 2019 are that we don't know, because there's very little we know about the products that are coming out this year, other than uh, War of the Spark. I mean, like, we know there's no more master sets, um, but we've got rumors of packs that will add cards to modern without adding them to standard. We have rumors of the return of modern challenger decks or modern event decks. Like, there's just so many unknowns that we have to work with right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I will disagree on Arena because you're assuming my players have internet and know how to read, and that's offensive. So if they don't know how to read, how are they playing Magic? They use the uh, pictures. You, you play, yeah. I, I, I played Pokemon before I knew how to read the card game. We just pointed at the like my Pikachu beats your Geodude just because I said so because I'm two years older than you. Isn't Geodude lightning resistant? That is, yes, yes, that is the. Thanks, Ed. That is. That's, I don't know. That was the joke that, that Doug was trying to make, but I, you you went too deep. Whoosh, uh, whoosh. All right. I don't know what that means, but Jim, do you mind if we bolt over to our uh, question of the week? 
F F F. Man, I can't wait for our special guest next week to. Are we not in, saying in real time? I mean, we can say we have Rudy uh, on the podcast next week. Oh my god, I'm not going to be here <laughs> if that's the case. It's no, Rudy and uh, Jason all get ready. No, I, you know what? I'll just yeah, I'll be here. I'll, I'll be here, but I'll have trio. everything on mute. The three MTG finance millionaires, Rudy, Saffron, Olive, and Jason, all, all together in one room. Oh, I don't know if I I don't know if the world is ready for that kind of whatever that would be. It can be good, but whatever it'll be will be entertaining. Uh no, our guest next week is going to be Ristic Studies, aka Magic Man Sam. Uh you have probably seen his stuff on YouTube. He's a pretty great guy. But I forgot where we're going with this. He's oh, our guest next week. The question of the week. Oh, the question of the week. Puns. The point of that was that Sam. Oh yeah, yeah, because he'll be here in real time to tell you that your puns, your puns suck. He uh, won't. That was that. that's why I invited him yeah. on. Not going to just to do that. Yeah. All right, Jim. All right. So uh, our question this week is from Jake Valentine. He said, "With this week's announcement of no master sets on the horizon, how aggressive do you see Wizards of the Coast in printing printing off Commander Modern staples and supplementary?" sets or core set 2020 what are the good things to pick up that we'll probably not see a reprinting uh so first of all the announcement that there are no master sets on the horizon was actually announced when they did the last master set like they said that they weren't going to do any more for the foreseeable future this is like a a rehash of a thing that they've already said um but Oh, wow. Jeremy, you're the worst. Uh, so I think that it's important to know that just because cards are unlikely to get reprinted doesn't mean that it's impossible for them to get reprinted. I don't think that anyone was like, oh, yeah, uh, Corset 2019 is definitely going to have scape shift and on um, omniscience and no support for it. Like, those are not like, like in Crucible of Worlds. Like, nobody, nobody's going to say, oh, yeah, those are three things that definitely need to be in that set. So taking taking that with a grain of salt, cards are more likely to be reprinted if they are have been reprinted previously. Like cards like negate and duress are cards that you see reprint all the time. Um, I think mind rot is the card that's been in standard the, the for the longest period of time consecutively because it keeps getting reprinted. But also there's cards like. Noble Hierarch, where like you don't necessarily expect that to be in a standard set because it's re it's a really strong mana dork and they don't really like to print one mana mana dorks anymore. Like we already see how much the format gets warped around whether or not someone has a true one land or elves. Um, so that's probably not likely to be in a standard set. Similarly, cards that have like Storm are not likely to get reprinted. Cards that have like weird niche mechanics like Chroma. Restore balance. Restore balance. Suspend, yeah, like you restore called balance. that on this podcast three years ago or something. Doug. I called restore balance on every from every rooftop ever for the past decade. That was when Travis was on our cast. You guys were both crazy. Yeah, you wanted card. to restore the balance to the world. I've been hey. selling playsets of that card all weekend. It's fantastic. Right. So, so basically, basically, the thing is, the more complicated and niche the card is, the less likely it is to get reprinted. Things with wider appeal. Are more likely to get reprinted. Things that are in a lot maybe of like different or decks yeah, are yeah. more likely to get reprinted. Yeah, maybe in like Oracle Moldiah. God, I <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait. Never. I, 
I talked I talked to cool stuff. I said, if Oracle of Moldiah gets reprinted and you get it as the preview card, can I please preview it? And they said yes. Well, will that happen? I don't know. But if it if it, if it's a possibility, I will get the preview card. It's, it's been confirmed. Uh, but yeah, Wait, like but now we know if you tweet that you got a spoiler, what it is. I didn't say that I wouldn't. I would get. I wouldn't get anything else. I just said I if I get if if Oracle of Moldiah is a card, I will get it because it's my thing. It's my one mm -hmm. thing. Uh, so yeah, basically car cards that cards that. Don't refer to specific planes, cards that don't have keyword mechanics, cards that can be played in standard. Those are cards that are more likely to get reprinted. Cards that have weird keywords are in niche decks, like are very expensive because they're very rare. Uh, those kinds of cards are less likely to get reprinted. So uh, it's it's hard to say what is exactly going to get reprinted, but. You just always have to think about, like, if you're building a deck, what cards are really the bottlenecks for you getting it done? Like, if you're building Affinity, are you worried about buying Arcbound Ravagers? Are you worried about buying Ink Moth Nexus? Like, those cards, I think, are about the same in terms of, like, their chances of getting reprinted. But if you need, like, Etch Champion... And I, that one's not very expensive, so it's kind of a bad example. But like, there are certain cards that are li less likely to get reprinted because they're just not as ubiquitous. Inkmoth so, Nexus. I think that one is about as equal as Arcbound Ravager. Like, you can kind of put them in the same area. Infect. Well, actually, all right. Maybe Inkmoth Nexus is more likely because it goes in two different decks instead of Arcbound Ravager, which is only in one. I think I Infect, is a, Infect specifically is a very big uh, detractor for getting a card reprinted. So, while I would normally agree with you, and that, like, I don't know if they're going to reprint, like, uh, what's the what's the Infect guy that has haste? The green one? Isn't there, like, some giant green one that has haste? Like, just like... A that would be the only thing I think of, and I don't even think that it's haste. Uh... uh or, or like Phyrexian Phyrexian Hydra. Phyrexian Hydra, I'm pretty sure, has Infect. And yeah. that card is not good. It's not expensive. But like also, it's probably never going to get reprinted because it's not a card that has a very high demand for it. So uh, just it's, it's, I, it's, I think it's difficult to like point a card. Yeah, specifically, this will not get reprinted. This is a good buy. But there are cards that are more likely or less likely to get reprinted based on like what deck you're talking about. Like, I would say that also the recency of a reprint is also something that you have to consider. Like, if you want to build Storm but you don't have Manamorphose, I think that's a card that's likely to get reprinted in the near future. Whereas if you're like waiting to buy Gifts Ungiven or uh, pass the flames and maybe pick those up now because I think that those have been reprinted more recently and they're probably not going to get reprinted before Metamorphos does. Anything to add, Doug? I think Jim had a lot of good points, sir. Nope. What are you guys even Ed? talking about in this chat? I'm not even <laughs> reading the chat. Yeah, I stopped. I, I was reading it, and then I stopped because it stopped making any sense. Ed, anything to add about Wizards' reprint strategy in 2019 and 2020? Uh, 
I, th I think people need to realize that just because they're no longer making master sets doesn't mean that reprints are no longer going to be a thing. No, Gavin. Gavin's well aware of all of this. Right. Clearly, there's too much equity for them in order to no longer have reprints. It's just what avenue are they going to choose to reprint cards? I think Jim more or less hit every major point on the head. Um, look for things that are plane-specific, fairly out of the way. Um in terms of being, you probably want something that uh, your best bet is either to find a penny sock ish card, something that is uh, relatively cheap, but it does see a lot of see a lot of play. Uh, my pick of the week is actually based on that, um, but it has a somewhat low likely likelihood of being reprinted because it's probably not really on Wizards' radar. Um, because you're something like Oracle Moldaya, that's definitely on the radar of cards to be reprinted. Um, if you actually read Twitter from uh, from Gavin Verhey earlier today, he actually tweeted out what are the card was what are the uh, name name five non land non reserveless cards you want to be reprinted. Yes, or you want to see reprinted. Yes, non land non reserveless cards. When I had last Oracle looked, Moldaya. when Oracle I had last Moldaya. looked, there were. There were like 357 comments or some insane amount. And he, he reads them all. <laughs> and, and, yes, 100% he reads them all because this is what he does. And I think he is fairly in tune to what social media says. Um, he actually touched on this in uh, State of Product Design as well. Uh, he was definitely very in tune, especially when it came to Battlebond, because Battlebond was his baby, more or less. He was aware of what people were saying on Reddit uh twitter etc um yep so uh and it, it just go through and chances are if it's on the list and it's repeated on that list it's probably going to see a reprint at some point in probably not the, the too distant future um but again right if you want to make a short-term play right buying oracle right now oracle of Moldavia is something that you will always um You'll always buy because you always find casual players that have it or people that haven't played Magic in 10 years. It's randomly in their binders. Um, you're not, you're not going to pick up a lot of them, but they'll always sell well. They'll sell quickly, and you're guaranteed to make money on it, assuming you pay a reasonable, um, assuming you pay a reasonable amount. Um, but for, again, uh, it, it's hard to hedge right until we know exactly how they choose to reprint this. Um, it's probably better to err on the side of caution and not go too deep on anything that theoretically could be reprinted, yeah. which is anything at this point. So, because I think a, a year ago, trying to cut you off, last thought. If you Very told good. me that if you told me that Frexian Tower would see a reprint in a master set, I probably would have laughed at you and said no. One, because I thought Frexian Tower was a reserveless card, but <laughs> two, two, like it just it didn't feel like Frexian Tower was on theme i guess with what wizards was trying to reprint in terms of yeah their reprint strategy for sure i'm, I'm on think... a note of res or just on one tiny note before uh we stop talking about reprints one thing that i'd like to mention as an evergreen comment uh for the people who are listening to this from a player's perspective instead of a vendor perspective I think there's a very large group of the player base who thinks that vendors hate reprints because our cards drop but sales data and history shows that reprinted cards sell better than non-reprinted cards um contrary to what you might think 
So like the the reprinted version of Elish Norn, the iconic masters version is way better than the new Frixie version. Um just cards like that or like casual cards like Oracle Moldaya. I don't sell very many Oracle Moldaya's at $30 because it's $30. When Oracle my Moldaya gets reprinted and it's $10, I will sell a lot more Oracle Moldaya's. And then when I'm buying Oracle Moldaya's, they will all be good condition because they came from a master set, which means I can pay more on them. So vendors love reprints. The good ones, anyways. The, yeah. The, the good ones. I think that um, we're going to see more reprints than ever in 2019, and then we're going to see more reprints than that in 2020, because Magic has been one of the best... It is among the best-performing um, assets that Hasbro owns, and Goldner is in a tight position right now with the stock finally going back up. So they're going to continue to try and keep Magic as their one of their number one profit... Um, strategies for this year to keep shareholders happy because hasbro they own a lot of stuff but not everything's doing great and magic is one of those things where as long as they can keep continuing to milk profits out of stuff like the mythic edition and all that they're going to keep doing it more and more every year there's obviously this argument that you've seen on reddit the last couple months where people are like oh they're selling out to the company i think they interviewed an artist today and he's like Magic would have died if Hasbro hadn't come along and saved it. And like the number yeah. one response uh, by players for that was like, oh, they're going to ruin it now because they need to make money. But um, if I mean, a company Hasbro wants to make sec, money, what a company wants to make money, yeah, gasp. but apparently a lot of uh, Magic players face. have a problem with that. That was like the number one response is like, how dare they milk Magic for money in response to this artist getting interviewed. Um, anyway, I think they're going to come out with more and more stuff and they're going to keep making more and more money with more and more reprints. And that's good for all of us because it ties up less of our capital. We can move stuff faster and it, uh, helps the players wallets. And if they're targeting something, and this is something a lot of people don't understand or refuse to understand, if they're targeting a whale with a mythic edition or they're doing something new for legacy it is not a right that you get to own or play with those cards. You don't have the right to own an underground C. It's not accessible for everybody. Um, but a lot of players refuse to get that out of their head. Arena There's, is free to play for everybody. Yes. I, I am not happy with the terminology used to describe people that buy Mythic Editions. Well, I, I am personally deeply offended by that. Why? Because you called me a whale. Yeah, because you're right next to SeaWorld. Checkmate. I'm actually like not ever not even close. Close enough. You're in the same state. Florida's a huge state. That's like <laughs> saying that California and I, I like California, any place in California is right next to each other. That's like not even remotely close. Buffalo oh, I look at it on a map, but like I don't know how to read. Thing. So they all look the same. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say to you about that. Your geographical skills need some work. Ah, uh, but you know who doesn't need some work? Uh Jake, because where can he email us to when his credit uh that was a really awkward way to say what I was going to say, which is just, thank you for your question, Jake. Please send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I will get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. If you'd like to win our store credit next week, you can leave a comment or a question, sorry, 
on the uh, article page that will go up hopefully Thursday the 7th. And uh, if your question gets chosen, you can win $25 of CoolStuffInc.com store credit. And if your question doesn't get chosen, Ed will answer it for you anyway. Yep. You guys ready for pick of the week? We've already been going for quite a while. Sure, whatever, man. Doug? Uh... <laughs> I mean, I've got like a basic one that I can just throw out there, but... You can't use whatever you used on Brainstorm. No, no, no. That one was Isolated Chapel, and that's Jim Piss- Jim's pick of the week from like four months ago, so I can't use that one. But, uh, oh. I mean... And two months ago, and, la- and last month, <laughs> yeah, probably two weeks ago. Uh, but we've seen a lot of Commander stuff go up over the past few weeks, like a lot of cards from Commander 2014, a lot of cards from Commander 2015, uh, very obscure bulk rare cards that just have started to see more play in Commander, I guess, and some of them just, I maybe the newer group of players that are coming from Arena and are starting to play Commander just didn't realize these cards existed, and because they're exclusively in Commander sets, search engine optimization is very effective for them when they Google just like Magic Commander cards and then start filling a cart. Um, so I think Commander 2018 is at a very, very, very low point right now. And I think that there are unique cards in this set that you will want to pick up at their lows. I think you have a while before they go up. This is not a, uh, a, a pick that will immediately start bearing fruit, but, uh, there's a couple. I think I'm going to go with Zanchta though. Zanchta though. Zanchta sleeper agent. She is only $3 or so. And this is a very unique, popular, flavorful character. Um, and I think that they will slowly start to creep up towards the fives and the sixes like a year from now. It, it is a very long-term pick, um, but I like cards. I like Commander 2018 unique cards a lot, uh, the new stuff. Stuff like Eryxmethes, stuff like Xanxa, stuff like Nesting Dragon and Treasure Nabber. Um, yeah. Ed? Uh, my pick this week, uh, there's technically two. They're fairly similar to being the same card. Uh, this is in line with the, uh, Tesa, uh, cards that have become very popular. So mostly Orzov oriented, uh, Anguish Unmaking, uh, in Commander, this is basically a Vindicate. Obviously you can't hit lands, so you can't hit problematic things like Guy's Cradle or whatever. But this card is very, very good. Three mana, exile target, non-land permanent. You lose three life, which basically has no drawback in Commander. This card sees a lot of play. And for a card that was a bulk rare up until what felt like a year or two ago, um, this card is pushing $5. It's impossible to keep this card in stock. Uh, the spread the spread between buy lists and this card is relatively small mainly because stores have such a hard time of keeping in stock. Uh, looking on TCG Player right now, I see some copies available. Uh, let's see. Looking at 350 shipping included or so, and then it starts to go above $4 pretty quickly. Um, granted, it's a rare. This is the type of card that you probably don't want to sit on for a long time mainly because it's relatively easy to reprint in Commander 2019 or whatever. Um, But that being said, it might not be on Wizard's Radar. This card is, again, not that expensive. It's uh, 
its popularity just seems to have soared in relatively recent times. And I imagine that with how popular Orzhov commanders are going to be, uh, this one probably will get expensive or too, before too long. It wouldn't surprise me if this was if this could be a ten dollar card before too long. Because I would assume this is on my radar, considering how quickly they nipped utter end in the bud with Commander twenty sixteen. They know that uh, Vindicate effects are popular. Like Vindicate itself got reprinted a billion times. Uh, yep, yeah, that that is true. That is just something to be aware of. Um, Outer End. Uh, now that you mention it, is kind of in the same boat. You can pick up two thousand uh, Commander two thousand eighteen copies for next nothing. Uh, Outer End was kind of on the rise. Um, prior to the reprint. Um, obviously the anguish I'm making too. What's that? Anguish I'm making also put pressure on that price. Yes. Um. Uh, that one is probably a good penny stock. It'll take some time, but I imagine in a year's time or so, you'll easily be able to ship these probably for at least double on buy list that you paid uh, for what you could get them for now. Are we all picking penny stocks this week? Because my pick of this week is Tome of the Guild Pact. Uh, it's a card that draws cards and is colorless, so it's got to be good, right? I don't know. It's like it's like sub a dollar. It can go in basically any deck. It's it's very similar to um, Vanquisher's Banner, where if you build your deck around it, which is really not that difficult, it can get out of hand very quickly. And Vanquisher's Banner is like five bucks, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I think that this is a card that people are just like very quickly like dismissing as as a bulk rare and. I feel like there's going to be some time in the near future where people realize, oh, hey, this can just like go in any of my decks because gold cards are like my favorite thing about Commander, so I'm going to play all these gold cards in my deck. Uh, so I think that this is probably a pretty easy card to acquire, especially from people that like play standard. Like, There's no reason for this to be in your standard deck, and they'll probably very, be very willing to trade them away to you. My pick of the week is Seaborn Muse. I called this back when this was half its price. Um, TCG Low is like six right now. Uh, Card Kingdom is currently paying four fifty on this. Um, you have two other vendors that are paying a little below four fifty. Almost all major retail sites currently have this at eight or nine dollars. So we're going to see a correction soon on TCG. Would be my guess. Um, if you see any in your LGS for five or six, or if you see one in a trade binder, this is still a slam dunk before it goes back up. It's never going to hit 20 plus again like it was before because then Battle Bond DV would be even more insane than it is right now unless doubling season gets printed into the ground. But this is just, it's going to go up. Um, card shops are adjusting their buy list appropriately and their prices as well. So just keep following that trend and don't miss out and have to pay 10 bucks by the end of the year which is my guess is where it will end up. So that's it. Anything else, guys? No, I think this is a excellent cast. Can't wait to have Rudy on on uh, Monday. Still, still not having Rudy on. I'll call him up right now. I will make sure to make a resignation letter for this podcast. Then. And Jim, where can you post that Wait, resignation letter for people to find? Uh, I would probably send it directly to you. I wouldn't post it anywhere for people. Oh, I to was find. asking for your socials. 
I know, uh, I know what you were trying to do, but like, I'm not going to be that guy that like posts my breakup letter for the whole world to see. It's like not how I live my life. Anyway, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find my articles every week on gatheringmagic.com. Or, sorry, every other week on coolstuffing.com. Wow, that was bad of me. Gathering Magic doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it exists in our. Wait, does the URL still go to cool stuff? Yeah. Then you're yeah, fine. Yeah, redirects. Then you're fine. I'm at. Uh, Edwin at Edwin13 on Twitter. Uh, I will be in uh, Toronto this weekend. Uh, if anyone wants, wants to see me, uh, my name is Douglas DJ Johnson. I will also be in Toronto this weekend buying for 95 MTG. I will be in Memphis and Tampa Bay upcoming. And then I am missing, I think it's LA is the one after that, but I'll be in Calgary after that. Cleveland? Cleve- yeah, I'm not in Cleveland. That's what it is. That's the Magic Fest. Yes, or whatever. The pro Tour, the Mythic Championship. Yeah, I will not be in Cleveland, but I will be in Toronto, Memphis, and Calgary. So you can also see me on Brainstorm Brewery, which is another Magic Finance podcast. One of the two. Loose, loose definition, but yes. Um, I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. I will not be in Toronto this weekend, much to Ed's happiness and Doug's sadness, because I can't annoy Ed, but Doug doesn't get hot chocolate. So no. it's, uh, it's either or. Um, I'll be at Memphis, but I won't be on site. There's uh, eight people flying into Cube, so I'm literally just going to be cubing all weekend. So I won't be on site. Draft Mono Red for me and Ed. I will. I will. Um. And then I just announced our first Legacy 5K in our tournament series for the year. So if you want to play Modern or Legacy for at least $5,000 cash, check it out. That's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, you can find the car, you, you can find the cast at cartel underscore finance on Twitter, on YouTube, iTunes, iTunes. Oh my God, <laughs> SoundCloud and all the Jeremy, other. Things. Are you right? Did you have like a? Did you have like an aneurysm or something? What were you, I you may were have had some whiskey before we started the cast. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening to this cast. We'll see you guys on Monday with our special guest. And as always, bye bye. <laughs>